For this month of mindfulness, serene spa images were floating in my head along with soothing music and water droplets. But mindfulness doesn't mean we need to sit in the lotus position in soundproof rooms burning incense. Our meditation might be playing the piano, walking on the beach in the morning, sewing a dress, jogging without headphones on, journaling without interruption, or playing at the park with our kids. The key isn't a specific place. The key is being mentally present in the particular place you find yourself. Hey guys, it's great to have you here today on the Super You Podcast. Today we're going to give you a free clip, that's right, from the Audible version, a free clip from the Audible version of my new book, The Focus Project. For today, I hope this segment helps you. We're going to talk about how we turn garbage into gold. Turning garbage into gold. Mike Glickman, an 18-year-old living in a picturesque community in California, wanted to become a real estate agent. Being young and in a highly competitive market, Mike had trouble gaining credibility. None of his marketing materials were working. At around the same time, the city garbage collectors went on strike. As the strike continued, the garbage piled up outside these beautiful homes. Seeing this happening to the community he loved worried Mike. He wanted to do something. A thought came to him. What if he started to haul off the garbage? He couldn't do it alone, way too many homes. He would have to hire a private company. This would be expensive, about $5,000 at the time, which seemed like $5 million to Mike. But it was the right thing to do. He did it with one key twist. He didn't let anyone know he was doing it. People were delighted to find that all the smelly, ugly garbage was gone. They had their beautiful community back. Assuming the strike must be over, when they turned on the local news that evening to hear that the strike was still alive and well, the homeowners were scratching their heads. If it wasn't the garbage collectors, who was it? Within a few days, word leaked that Mike had removed the garbage. Mike's business was off to the races. He became one of the most prominent real estate agents in one of the hottest real estate markets in the country. When we adjust our focus to see a different perspective, particularly other people's perspectives, we often turn garbage into gold. Persistence and Patience After one and a half years of failing at this project, a revelation hit me. Have patience with the process. Play the long game. I kept having false starts to this project. I would say, okay, this is the month I'm going to start. And then I'd invariably fall back to my old habits. The key is to not get frustrated, but instead say to yourself, well, this is interesting. Patience doesn't naturally come to me. My mental state often borders on, Lord, please give me patience, but give it to me now. Focusing requires being persistent in the short term and patient for the long term. Eventually, I said enough is enough and finally stuck to the project. Chapter Summary, The One Big Thing Our success isn't what we take from the world, but what we leave behind. My grade this month was an A, only one of two A's I give myself during this entire project. During the 12 months, I only give two A's. Having victories each day made this month rewarding. 
focusing on being emphatic and giving love in every interaction was more tangible than I believe possible. I could see the impact of my actions immediately, several times throughout each day. Conversely, when I wasn't in the best mood, I could feel the negative energy I was bringing to a room and either A, put a stop to it, or B, avoid interactions until the storm passed. I wasn't perfect at this, so no A+, but in total, it was a great month. My top takeaways. Number one, avoid groupthink and don't conform to others' lack of focus. Number two, we're like batteries. In every engagement, we are either positive energy or negative energy. When you can afford to buy time, do it. You're buying time with your loved ones. Hey, it's Catherine. This next review is from Avid Podcast Listener 12. And they say, not only do I love Brene Brown, but having all her best tips in one place is a really cool tactic. I can't wait to see who you'll post about next. I love JK Rowling. Well, thanks, Avid Podcast Listener 12. We love you too. Keep the reviews coming. That wraps up chapter eight, which was my month on empathy. And those good with the calendar, you know that that was August. So as we move into chapter nine, which is September, my focus is on mindfulness. For this month of mindfulness, serene spa images were floating in my head along with soothing music and water droplets. But mindfulness doesn't mean we need to sit in the lotus position in soundproof rooms burning incense. Our meditation might be playing the piano, walking on the beach in the morning, sewing a dress, jogging without headphones on, journaling without interruption, or playing at the park with our kids. The key isn't a specific place. The key is being mentally present in the particular place you find yourself. For example, I often take my kids to the park. A parent will often announce, we have to go. This isn't surprising. I've done the same thing hundreds of times with our kids. However, it isn't always the case that we have to go. Sometimes, sure, we have to get home for dinner or we have a birthday party or soccer practice. But other times, I know we didn't have to go. I wanted to go. I was dictating an order. For the next couple of weeks, I was going to wait until my girls requested to leave. I'm not going to lie, the first few times at the park were agonizing as we were there for hours. As a parent, pangs of guilt sprouted inside me at the thought of not enjoying every minute. No, I can't push you on the swing for the 1,000th time. Guilt. I knew the day would soon arrive when they would be too big to want to play at the park. And then how would I feel that I couldn't be bothered to push the swing? I struggled at first with waiting it out, but... Over time, I started to realize the benefits of this new approach. Enjoying this uninterrupted time with my daughters. What a blessing to be outside on a nice sunny day, breathing fresh air, being able to act like a kid again myself, and enjoying time with my daughters at such a precious age. I started to be mindful of the way we laughed or how their hair looked funny while hanging upside down on the monkey bars. I also started noticing an improved focus in other areas of my life. This improved focus isn't unusual. As Harvard professor Joe DeGuttis puts it, focusing on a single complex task improves your ability to focus on other tasks. Making a habit of this can result in attentional state training, where you're better able to get in a relaxed focus state for other activities. This month, I was going to push the swing both physically and metaphorically. Thousands of studies have documented the physical and mental health benefits of mindfulness, inspiring countless programs to embrace the concept for schools, prisons, hospitals, 
veterans centers, and beyond. Mindfulness means maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment through a gentle, nurturing lens. While we want to remain present, we don't have to stay in the present. This is explained in psychology today as such. A common misconception about mindfulness is that it means to stay in the present moment. People practice meditation and get quickly frustrated by their mind's disinterest in staying present. Many will exclaim, I can't be mindful. I can't stay in the moment. But the reality is no one's mind always stays in the moment. But we have control over the return. We can always return our mind to the present moment, return it to our breath. Mindfulness is the self-regulation of attention with an attitude of curiosity, openness, and acceptance. This month, while it is impossible to be present all the time, I'm making an effort to be present more of the time. Turning your willpower into a superpower. Most of us want to eat healthy foods, say the right words, and do the right things. But often we lack willpower. Are we doomed if our willpower is constantly failing us? No. While process and habits beat willpower, strengthening our willpower will help any of our established frameworks. Improving our willpower is similar to being able to ride a bike. If we stick with it, almost anyone can ride a bike. We can mold and strengthen willpower. Stanford psychologist Kelly McGonigal, PhD, took a closer look and found that willpower is our body's ability to send extra energy to the brain's prefrontal cortex, which keeps track of our goals and helps us override impulses and cravings. Our willpower can be depleted over the course of the day, just like our muscles. This loss is called ego depletion. Hence, our self-control can be weaker at the end of the day, which may explain our opening the fridge at midnight for a snack. It also lends itself to something our parents drilled into us. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. Understanding ego depletion explains why it's advantageous to tackle important tasks first thing in the morning. But this doesn't mean that all night owls are out of luck. McGonagall explains it this way. I prefer to talk about becoming a willpower athlete. If willpower is a muscle, even a metaphorical muscle, it should be possible to train it. As with physical exercise, using your self-control muscle may be tiring, But over time, the workout increases your strength and stamina. So what starts out as a difficulty becomes easier over time. New behaviors become habits and temptations become less overwhelming. If the brain can be trained like a muscle, that begs the question. Can you see an actual physical change in the brain from our practice and efforts? A team of Harvard-affiliated researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital set out to uncover the answer. For the MGH study, researchers conducted magnetic resonance image or MRI scans on the participants' brains two weeks prior to the study. They split the participants into two groups, a group that would practice meditation on their own, an average of 27 minutes per day, and a group that would not practice meditation. After just eight weeks, the meditators showed increases in gray matter in the hippocampus. Gray matter naturally decreases with age, so the fact that meditation can help grow gray matter is a big deal. Gray matter is critical for learning, seeing, hearing, impulse control, speech, and memory. It has also been linked to improvements in self-awareness, compassion, and introspection. 
Gray matter helps us with processing and computation. White matter, on the other hand, is like highways connecting different parts of the central nervous system. Participants reporting increases in stress correlated with decreased gray matter density in the amygdala, which is known to play a significant role in anxiety and stress. High levels of cortisol can wear down the brain's ability to function properly. Stress can kill brain cells and even reduce the size of the brain. Chronic stress has a shrinking effect on the prefrontal cortex, the area of the brain responsible for memory and learning. Although our stress response begins in the brain, it is a full body phenomenon. One of the best ways to counter stress is to pay attention to what is going on with you and around you. That may sound counterintuitive, but paying attention is the first step toward cultivating mindfulness, a therapeutic technique for a range of mental health problems in physical ones. In sum, during the study, meditators were able to increase the gray matter where it positively helps us. Hippocampus, learning, memory, self-awareness, compassion, introspection. And decrease it where it negatively affects us. Amygdala, anxiety, and stress. Discover that a little meditation can cause dramatic positive increases in our brains is literally mind-blowing. The study's senior author, Sarah Lazar, shed some light. Although the practice of meditation is associated with a sense of peacefulness and physical relaxation, practitioners have long claimed that meditation also provides cognitive and psychological benefits that persist throughout the day. This study demonstrates that changes in brain structure may underlie some of these reported improvements and that people are not just feeling better because they're spending time relaxing. Britta Hosel, one of the authors and research fellows at MGH and Geisen University in Germany states, it is fascinating to see the brain's plasticity and that by practicing meditation, we can play an active role in changing the brain and can increase our well-being and quality of life. Meditation is like floss for our brain. Similar benefits can be achieved by a physical exercise, states Dr. McGonigal. Physical exercise also leads to similar changes in the brain, especially the prefrontal cortex. However, it is not clear why. Regular exercise, both intense cardiovascular training and mindful exercise like yoga, also make the body and brain more resilient to stress, which is a great boost to willpower. Numerous studies show there are two consistent ways to train your willpower, physical activity and meditation. Related to physical activity in meditation, researchers Jason Chow and Sean Lau of the University of Hong Kong wanted to study the effect of physical surroundings. Specifically, do environments impact ego depletion and correspondingly our willpower? They conducted a series of tests showing participants a sequence of images. Some were shown hectic urban settings while others were shown nature scenes. They discovered that exposure to nature gives us strength and helps counteract ego depletion. If we are able to meditate in a nice park during our lunch break, we will see more benefits than simply meditating inside. This study helps explain why we always seem to feel a touch more elevated during yoga on the beach versus in a studio, or why jogging in the woods seems more satisfying than trudging on a treadmill. It's no surprise why leading companies build forests on their campuses for their employees to hold meetings, both sitting and walking meetings. So, the next time we find ourselves being called by our screens, 
Try these science-based ways to enhance willpower. Number one, set physical reminders. This might be a post-it note or alarm to turn off your device and start getting ready for bed at 9.30. Number two, meditate. Three, eat a protein-rich diet. Our willpower diminishes when we are hungry. Protein makes us feel full. Number four, commit to it. We need to set up structured milestones and plans to help our willpower. That's why Alcoholics Anonymous isn't just one step, but rather 12 steps. Five, forgive yourself. Whitney Houston was right when she sang, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. Feelings of regret deplete our willpower. This may explain why, after refraining from eating Girl Scout cookies all week, we find that having just one Thin Mint late Friday night becomes virtually impossible. We tend to experience regret for our actions, and the next thing we know, we have eaten not just one Thin Mint, but gasped the entire box. Diving deeper on forgiving ourselves, researchers conducted a series of studies on regret among participants. They discovered that participants who felt regret performed worse on future tasks. Correspondingly, if they're able to find a benefit in the task they regretted, then they perform better on future tasks. In the example of the Girl Scout cookies above, one may rationalize that you deserve the nice treat since you've been good all week. One's thinking might look something like this. Well, by eating these cookies, I made the sales girl happy and others happy since part of the revenue from the sale is going toward helping others, not just the girl I bought them from. Also, since there are no cookies in the house anymore, I no longer have that temptation or that voice in my head saying, have a cookie. In other words, learning to forgive yourself or finding benefits in the regret-inducing tasks result in positive benefits. Don't let one domino push a series of dominoes down the stairs. Instead, stop it in its tracks by letting go of regret. So your goal today is to let go of that regret, whether that's from 15 years ago or whether that's from 15 minutes ago. I know that during my personal focus project, remember I spent a year doing this focus project as a guinea pig, and that's why I put it in a book so you can learn from my mistakes, is that every day I had regret. And so I got better and better at letting go of that regret. I wasn't perfect at it. And again, part of the book explains that you're not going for perfection. What you're going for is progress. So my hope is that you're progressing along today. I hope you're staying safe, happy, and well. Thank you for listening to today's clip, free clip, from my new book, The Focus Project. And until next time, this is Equal Man reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you.